The final score from East Lansing, Washington 41, Michigan State 7. If Michael Penix Jr. stays in the game through all four quarters and Washington doesn't put in second and third stringers on defense, the final score could have been 70 to nothing. Washington put up a record total yards against Michigan State's defense with 713 total yards, only surrendering one turnover, dominating time of possession with 35 minutes and 32 seconds of T.O.P., and earning 28 first downs the hard way. Michael Penix Jr. will get into his statistics in a few minutes because, as expected, he's my player of the game. He had four passing touchdowns and hundreds of passing yards. But again, we'll talk about him in a few minutes. Michigan State came out flat-footed. It wasn't competitive. I was under the illusion that it could have been competitive, but in retrospect, the minute that Jeremy Bernard ran it in for a touchdown after Michigan State had to punt it early on their first drive, the game was already over. Washington had already dissected Michigan State's game plan. The pack of Huskies tore the Spartan limb from limb and licked the bones dry of any meat, blood, fat, or any other nutrients that a Husky could feed off of. 41 41 to 7. Washington outran Michigan State. They had a much more efficient passing game than Michigan State. I knew that Washington would play with a level of efficiency that perhaps no one else on Michigan State's schedule could replicate. Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State do have better talent than Washington. And in my opinion, at least for Michigan and Ohio State, have better coaching than Washington. All three of those schools on a talent level and roster level, probably have a higher ceiling in a lot of aspects than Washington does, especially on defense. But what Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb do are, is special. It's very special what they do. They are an elite duo, and they know how to create and nurture an elite offense. They are alchemists in the world of play calling, scheme, game planning, development, and recruiting. And looking at Washington and what they did through the air doesn't surprise me at all. They had over 500 passing yards, and they had two wide receivers who had over 100 receiving yards. Adunze, Polk, McMillan, and the tight end Jack Westover, those are all NFL players, and Michael Penix Jr. is an NFL quarterback. Washington on defense also has NFL defensive ends. And they were able to get pressure on Michigan State. Washington, I think, has probably a top 25 defense, and they have certainly a top four, top five offense. I think their offense is number one in the country. And I expected Michigan State to be able to test this team, compete for three quarters before Washington would pull away. But Washington pulled away the minute both of these teams stepped on the field. I overestimated Michigan State or... Maybe I didn't. Who knows? Michigan State went 11-2 and and lost to Ohio State 56-7 to in 2021. Maybe Washington is elite, a top two, top three team, and you'll see where I have them ranked in my top 25 video that I'll release this week. Or maybe Michigan State's just this bad. Who knows? I think that Washington is elite. I had them as a 
my Pac-12 champion, and I had them reaching the college football playoff in the preseason, and right now they're better than I expected them to be. They're mature, they're already beginning to peak, and I don't think that they'll stop peaking anytime soon. Their offense looks even better than I expected. Their defense looks better than I expected. Their defensive line manhandled Michigan State's offensive line, and their offensive line, the Huskies, manhandled Michigan State's defensive line and linebacker core. And the secondary for Michigan State doesn't even deserve to be talked about. This game in summary, outside of Mel Tucker's off-the-field doings, immoral habits, which are all causes rightfully to be fired. He should not be representing this university under any capacity after doing off the field what he did with Brenda Tracy on his cell phone, which he admitted to doing. Whether he's guilty of criminal charges or not is another story. But from a football coach perspective, if Michigan State comes out and wins this game or competes, then there could have been a conversation of Mel Tucker was an average coach who was a bad person or below average person or someone at best who made a mistake and Michigan State would be sad to see his coaching leave but they wouldn't be sad to let his person leave well now Mel Tucker I mean th- this this game doesn't change if Mel Tucker's the head coach you can't argue that with me this is what we saw on Saturday is the epitome the epitome of a Mel Tucker team. And if you disagree with me, look at the Ohio State games over the past two seasons. Ohio State had the number one offense in 21, the number one offense in 22. Both of those seasons they had, in 22, they had a top 25 defense. In 21, they had like a top 35, top 40, maybe top 50 defense. They were average to above average to good, maybe on some days great defenses that Ohio State had. Washington's a similar story. I think they have the number one offense this year, and I think they have a top 25 defense. So similar to Ohio State's team in 2022. Ohio State in 2021 had 56 points, 655 total yards, 36 first downs, They outgained Michigan State by 15 minutes in the time of possession statistic, and C.J. Stroud had a 98.6 QBR, with 432 passing yards, 12.3 yards per attempt, and six passing touchdowns. That was the Michigan State team that went 11-2, won the Peach Bowl, and beat Michigan. They got thwacked by Ohio State. And then in 2022, the exact same story happens again, except this time the scoreboard is deceiving. Watching the 2022 Ohio State-Michigan State game, I thought in my mind it actually could have been worse from a film and on-the-field standpoint. Michigan State was totally healthy. The only reason they were in the game was because of a Charles Brantley 32-yard interception return that was on one of C.J. Stroud's wide receivers. Ohio State had 614 total yards, once again outgained Michigan State by 15 minutes in time of possession. Stroud was 21 of 26 for 361 yards. He averaged 13.9 yards per pass attempt. He had six touchdowns and one interception that I personally put on his wide receiver. And by the way, Peyton Thorne in both of those matchups had a QBR or quarterback efficiency of under 50 and struggled to complete 50% of his passes, 
didn't throw for over 200 yards, and he the quarterback play was pathetic. Same with the ground attack. The entire offense, defense, the whole team looked like a mess against Ohio State for the past two seasons. And same in 2020, but since most of those players are gone, I don't want to go over that game. And it happened in the COVID year. What did we see in East Lansing for really the second year in a row, if we're comparing Washington to Ohio State here? What we saw, bar none, was one of the greatest quarterback performances we've seen in recent memory. Once again, facing off against a Michigan State secondary, a Harlan Barnett, Scotty Hazleton, Mel Tucker secondary. Penix was 27 of 35. He had 473 passing yards. He averaged 13.5 yards per pass attempt, and he had four passing touchdowns and a 98.2 quarterback efficiency rating. He had a 228.4 passer rating. These are video game statistics that Stroud and now Penix have put up against Michigan State secondary under the regime of Mel Tucker, Scotty Hazleton, and Harlan Barnett. Cade McNamara, who's struggling at Iowa, couldn't win the starting job at Michigan in 2022. And that's not to knock him. He's a you know good, above-average, average quarterback in my mind. He put up close to 400 passing yards against Michigan State in 2021. This secondary has always been awful. And again, because of how good Washington's offense is, same with Ohio State for the past two seasons, you can have a performance like that and your secondary not be the worst in the nation. But what made Michigan State's secondary that bad in 21 and 22 is they would let other teams pick them apart through the air, and they couldn't stop them. Michigan State couldn't stop Michael Penix Jr. Penix was the entire offense for Washington. They really struggled to run the football until later in the game when they already had broken Michigan State and came out of halftime with a 35-0 lead. Michael Penix Jr. is my player of the game. And again, no one's going to be missing Mel Tucker, not just because of what he did off the field, and no one should miss him solely for that reason. However, when you look at this from a purely football acumen, what was he building here? What was Mel Tucker building that was going to be successful? I thought that through better recruiting and that maybe after a year where they were successful, mainly because of returning O-line production and they looked better in the spring game, that there could be a fork in the road after this year where you make the choice to upgrade your assistance or stay with your current assistance, and that would largely determine the trajectory of the program. Mel Tucker had shown promise as a DC, promise as a head coach, and some of the staff hires he made were downright awful and also downright impressive. And yet here we are, another blowout to a great offense and a lead offense and a team who's going to be in the Big Ten next year. You know, when most of these matchups occur, where one team from their own conference is playing another opponent who they will welcome into their conference in the following seasons. Arkansas did this with Texas A&M in 2011, I think. They beat Texas A&M, and fans held up a sign that said, Welcome to the SEC, basically saying you're going to be facing much tougher competition than you did in the Big 12, and you're in, you're in for a ride, a bumpy ride that will be very uncomfortable. 
Well, Washington might as well have held up that sign for Michigan State instead of the other way around. As in, you've been in the Big Ten, but you have issues you have to work through, and the conference is only getting tougher. UCLA looks good. USC looks good. Oregon looks great. And I think Washington looks elite. I think they're a top four team in the country right now. And four of the better Pac-12 teams, in fact, Washington's the best Pac-12 team. The best Pac-12 team, and there's an argument for USC and Oregon to be the best Pac-12 teams, along with Oregon State, maybe Utah. And then UCLA, who's being impressive with Dante Moore, who's a Michigan native. The Big Ten is only going to be tougher, both from a traveling aspect, a home field and road play aspect, and also the quality of teams, the average quality of team is going to be rising with these four additions. So with all that's happened to Michigan State, I know we're we're supposed to be talking about Michael Penix, but I really want to set the stage, and we'll talk about this more. For Michigan State, it's important that they make the right hire and they right the ship. Not necessarily this season. Of course, with Barnett as the interim head coach and Mel Tucker having largely built and coached this roster, the goal should be to just have fun, win as many games as you can. The The focus for Michigan State football right now needs to be more off the field and acquiring the next hire, and the only aspect um, pertaining to on-the-field issues should be trying to keep your best players here instead of looking to transfer out of the program. But for Michael Penix Jr., I look at what he did, and my a potential overreaction that would pop up in my mind is he's going to win the Heisman. Now, he didn't face great secondaries all season so far. Boise State, Tulsa, Michigan State, these are not top 25 teams. But who in the Pac-12 outside of, I would say, Utah when they're healthy, and Oregon State, what defense would stop Michael Penix? What defense? I don't think there is an answer outside of those teams, and those are just maybes. Neither Oregon State or Utah right now has an elite defense. I think they have near elite defenses at best, but Washington's offense, in theory and on paper, could tear through any secondary you put them up against. The only secondaries I think they could have major issues against, and part of this is because the front sixes and sevens that would pair with these secondaries would be Georgia, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. And even with Penn State, because of some questions that I have about some of their their depth at linebacker and also defensive tackle, I don't think Penix would face a... I don't know. There are, Even with those four teams that I just listed, I could see Michael Penix and Adunze and Polk and McMillan hanging 28-35 lower 40s point totals against those teams. And those are some of the best secondaries in the country, littered with NFL players. Those are great defenses. And Michigan State doesn't have those players, so Penix did what he should have done. He passed nearly 400 yards, completed every... He completed three out of every four of his pass attempts, a little over that, actually. He played nearly a perfect game, nearly threw a pick once or twice, but those were his only bad throws out of 35 attempts. He's a great player. It's good to see him healthy and continuing to stay protected and insulated by the Alito line that he has. 
He's been through so many injuries, played with a bad Indiana team. He transferred with his former offensive coordinator to Washington. DeBoer went from Indiana to Fresno State in from 2019 to 2020. Penix stayed with Indiana while Nick Sheridan was their OC and then left with Sheridan to go back to the offensive coordinator that helped him become a good quarterback in Kalen DeBoer. And now he's flinging it all across the field. Everyone's open all the time. And when they're not, his receivers just straight up moss your defensive backs. And there's nothing you can do about it. He puts, he, he throws his balls on point, completes passes, very efficient quarterback, definitely a top four quarterback in the nation. Washington, I think, is a top four team, a playoff team. They have a playoff caliber elite quarterback in Michael Penix. So if you're a Huskies fan, I have all the respect in the world for your team. I had respect for your team in the preseason. I ranked them very high when many said they were overrated. I'm becoming more confident that out of all the things I've gotten wrong so far for 2023's college football season, and it's only week three, I'm slowly beginning to gain confidence that I have a lot of things right in regards to my Washington pick and how I view the Huskies team. They're an elite team, and through the first three weeks of college football, well, four if you count week zero, I think they've been the most impressive team. That doesn't mean I'm going to have them as number one in my top 25, though you'll have to see, because again, I don't want to be overreactive, and they're not the most talented team. They're not even top 15 or top 20 in total talent, and they have questions They haven't played a top 25 or top 15 team yet, but by efficiency, performance, and how fluid and cohesive their team looks, they've been the most impressive team all year. So if you're a Huskies fan, and if you're a member of the Huskies football team or coaching staff, I mean, you won't be listening to this video anyway, but give yourself a pat on the back. You have an elite football team. We talk about the losers on this channel first, and we save the best for last. Michigan State fell flat, and they were the inferior team. It's crazy. I mean, literally, one touchdown late in the fourth quarter, 261 total offensive yards. Noah Kim, we talked about how Peyton Thorne performed poorly against Ohio State over the past two seasons. When Michigan State gets in these shootouts, their offense falls flat. Noah Kim was 12 of 31 for 136 yards. He averaged 4.4 yards per pass attempt, and he had a quarterback efficiency rating of 22.2. He also had a 69.1 passer rating. After being the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. That's nuts. That... That's crazy. And that shows you what happens when you play Central Michigan, when you play Richmond, and then you play Washington. And that was a question that we all had entering this game, is Michigan State is going from playing some of the worst teams that any Power 5 team could schedule to playing one of the best non-conference opponents that any Power 5 team could schedule. And how would they react to that massive change? They didn't react well. And I can't say that anyone else in college football would react that well. 
Again, a few minutes ago, I said that Washington has been the most impressive team in the nation. If Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Georgia, certainly Alabama, who looked like, literally looked like what comes out of my dog after he eats the cat food, which is disgusting. Alabama is not themselves. I might pick Washington in all of those matchups, depending on the circumstances that you give me and whether it's home field advantage or on the road. They're an impressive team. But coming out this flat and playing at the level that Michigan State did is unacceptable. It's totally unacceptable. The offense was an atrocity. It was horrendous to watch. Kim was constantly throwing the ball over his receivers, behind his receivers. He threw it right to, I think it was a Washington linebacker in the first quarter after Michigan State's defense got a stop. He was a momentum killer. And clearly he hasn't been, in my opinion, coached well. Because Peyton Thorne, as bad as he looked against Ohio State in 21 and 22, never had these poor statistics. And the offensive line this year, for all of its faults that were brutally exposed in this game, this offensive line so far is still better than the 2022 unit. So maybe I have some questions about how good the quarterback room is. The quarterbacks were not impressive. Hauser was, but he was impressive in the same way that Kim was last year in garbage time. So I like the wide receivers. I like tight end Malik Carr. I love Nathan Carter. But the quarterback is not good in Noah Kim. And whether it's Nick Samak, whether it's G.D. Duplain, Brandon Baldwin, Geno Van DeMark, whoever it is on the offensive line, they don't have cohesion. They were outmatched and abused by Washington, and a bad quarterback with a bad offensive line is a horrendous combination. It doesn't matter who you have at wide receiver or running back or tight end. It's gonna, you're going to be very inconsistent. And against a team that is the definition of consistency in scoring, in passing the ball, who matches up perfectly with the weaknesses that your defense has— you have got to be consistent. And Michigan State was anything but consistent. This game, in my mind, is evidence as to why Mel Tucker was not going to work here, whether it be for the off-field or especially the on-field. Like What he did off the field, you cannot do. However, let's say he had better judgment off the field, and he never does that, Does, doesn't even try and form anything more than a, a working relationship with Brenda Tracy. And he has the self-control. And he talks to a counselor about his marriage. Let's just give Mel Tucker the best possible off-the-field scenario. And his on-the-field coaching doesn't change. This game is still a blowout. And that's unacceptable with Washington entering the Big Ten, Oregon, USC, and UCLA who would have done similar things, albeit they would have taken four quarters to blow up Michigan State, not just two, but they would have done it nonetheless. And you still have Ohio State on your schedule, on the road. Michigan, they didn't look good against Bowling Green, but they have that high ceiling where they can pass it efficiently now. Michigan State has a, they have a hard series of tests 
that their defense and offense are going to face from here on out. And that makes the Maryland game all that more critical. Maryland's homecoming. It's the final home game of September. Then you go on the road to the wasp's nest that is Iowa. Iowa on the road is not forgiving. Even last year's Iowa squad that was 8-5, and five, lost to Nebraska, and had an offense that had no power, no discipline, and no efficiency. The antithesis of Washington's offense from this year, that Iowa team still was able to hold Michigan to 27, the team that was the best team in the Big Ten last season, and they were able to score 14 on Michigan. Albeit one of those touchdowns was in garbage time, but so were one of Michigan's, so I'm going to count both of them. And Luke Lachey was able to find holes in Michigan's defense, and there were times where Iowa was also able to run the football. And, you know, Iowa is different at home. They are. And they have a quarterback in Cade McNamara who has struggled, but also has a much higher ceiling and is a much better decision maker than Spencer Petras ever was. And Iowa's Caleb Johnson, LaShawn Williams, some other running backs who've just showed up. Iowa's going to be unforgiving on the road. And Michigan at home, Ohio State on the road, Penn State neutral site, Minnesota on the road, even Maryland, who's who starts off very slow but then becomes explosive in the second half. This game is so critical for Michigan State against Maryland. If at least if you care about this season. If you don't care about this season and you've already checked out after the Washington game, God bless you. Because from here on out, the thing that matters the most is hiring the next head coach. And I'm going to make a video about that this week. I was going to make it last week, but then I decided I want to see how Michigan State performs against Washington and how some other coaches are performing around the nation. Just one more week to give me all the more sample size. And I'm glad I did, because now I don't think Matt Campbell should be a target. Just look at his reaction to the Ohio game where he nearly chased down a fan and how he lost to a team literally named the Bobcats who plays in the MAC. That that doesn't fly at Michigan State. But for the Spartans, they're now 2-1. They had the most embarrassing home defeat in perhaps in the history of the program, they allowed Washington to set a record for total yards allowed in Spartan Stadium by Michigan State's defense. It's not good. It's just not good if you're Michigan State. That's really all I have to say. Meanwhile, the inverse is true for Washington. They had 713 offensive yards, five total touchdowns. They might be the number one team in college football. They might. Now, Obviously, we're only three weeks in. We don't want to overreact here. So I'm. that's why I'm saying might. I don't know. I don't necessarily have confidence that they're the nation's number one team. But when you put up 700 yards in a game, 41 points, and 35 of those are in the first half, that's impressive. That's straight up something out of NCAA 14. That's out of a dream if you're a Washington fan. Or if you replace the the W logo with the Block O or the Block M or the Nittany Lion and you score that many points and have that kind of performance, that's out of a dream. That's really impressive what Washington did. 
The Huskies had two sacks, seven tackles for loss, and two passes deflected. And also, Mishael Powell, a player for the Washington Huskies who's a safety, he had an interception in this game. So the Washington defense showed up, having 59 total tackles, two sacks again, seven tackles for loss, and they held Michigan State to 53 yards on the ground. And I thought that Nathan Carter was going to rush for 150. He rushed for a third of the predicted total, and I thought that was a minimum. I thought he was going to rush for 150, if not more. He couldn't do it. He only had 17 carries, which was a lot of carries for how down Michigan State was when they were still feeding him the ball. Again, reflection on Jay Johnson's play calling. And he had 48 rushing yards, and he averaged 2.8 yards per rush. It was horrendous. Michigan State's offensive line couldn't block. They couldn't open up holes. And Nathan Carter was trying to find as many holes as he could. But Washington's defensive line, their defensive ends, tackles, linebackers, anyone they could find, they found every hole and quickly plugged it. And Michigan State could do nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nada. Zero. Michigan State didn't score until the fourth quarter. In fact... The Spartans, they ended up crossing. Um, They crossed into Washington territory at one point, but they had to punt it because Zion Tupola-Fatui sacked Noah Kim. After that one drive, which began in the first half and then Michigan State, the first quarter, and then Michigan State punted with 12 minutes, 23 seconds left in the second quarter, Michigan State then drove down again into Washington territory, failed in a fourth and four with 41 seconds left. Washington within 35 seconds scores. I mean, that that's nuts. The defense was clutch. The offense could strike as quickly or slowly as they could, which is good. If you're the Huskies, there might be moments where slowing down the game is beneficial to your team. And to be able to do that through the air or even through the ground is... It's very important. It's absolutely critical. After after that half, Washington drove down and got a field goal. Michigan State then had three punts where they had they had two three and outs. They finally got back into Washington territory with seven minutes and forty seven seconds left in the fourth quarter. It's nuts. This defense, I think, is a top twenty five unit. The offense is number one. The pass rush is intense. Michigan State's O-line isn't a world beater, but they're better than last year. And to get two sacks and seven tackles for loss, I think in this instance is more of a reflection of Washington's defensive line than Michigan State's offensive line. There's a good chance that Michigan State's offensive line has some good games against some lower tier to middle of the road Big Ten competition. But we'll have to see, of course, how that performs in the coming weeks. All in all, big win for the Huskies on the road. They didn't even look tested or scared whatsoever the minute they stepped on the field. No intimidation. They came in. They did business. They weren't interested in gaining style points either, which is interesting. They were up 35 to nothing in the first half, and then they only scored six points in the third quarter and none in the fourth. They nearly scored in the fourth, but then Michigan State had an interception off of backup quarterback Dylan Morris. So I think that this offense is 
they're not going to be number one probably in points per game until later in the season because they're not interested in gaining style points. Maybe they will never be number one in, in points per game on offense, but in total yards, they'll probably be close if not the number one team. And when it comes to efficiency and the eye test and watching the film and how they play on the football field, whether it's on turf or on grass, Washington typically starts off slow on grass, but they had a quick start against Michigan State on a grass field. Washington is going to be elite offensively. They're going to be good defensively. Kalen DeBoer is a winning head coach. Ryan Grubb is an offensive coordinator who I think is destined to get head coaching opportunities after this season. If you're Alabama, speaking of which, this hurts that you don't have Ryan DeGrubb as your offensive coordinator because Tommy Reese doesn't know what he's doing. But this is more of a Big Ten channel. I don't know if I'll cover Alabama at all. That game was, it's whatever. Alabama will still find a way to win nine, maybe ten, shockingly enough, regular season games. But they're not reaching the playoff. Neither is Michigan State. Washington, though, we'll have to see. I'm not going to overreact, but for now, I'm sticking with my preseason prediction that the Huskies will win the Pac-12 and go to the college football playoff. Thank you guys so much for watching this video. Thank you to you all who support me on Patreon. My All-American patron, Spencer Bringhurst, and my All-Conference patrons, Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, and Matthew Sale. Make sure to like this video and hit that subscribe button and click the notification bell so you can get notified when I release college football content. There is a restructuring of content this week. I will announce that in a community post probably tomorrow as I work through my schedule. Um, it's been a great season of college football so far. Lots of chaos. Washington has been one of the only teams that has been very consistent through three weeks. And for Michigan State, they have an, a challenge, a tough challenge. Not as tough as Washington, but Maryland's a much better team than Richmond and Central Michigan. So we'll see next week how both of these teams perform. But thank you all for watching, and comment your thoughts down below as well. Bye-bye.